This morning, our passage from the Gospel according to John chapter 11 is a rather large chunk of Scripture. The first 45 verses of the 11th chapter could be broken down into many smaller segments and each be the basis of a sermon by itself. I say this in preface because this morning we will look at the entire passage because each of the smaller segments can, I think, help inform how we look at the world around us today in regards to how the coronavirus is changing and challenging our lives. Our passage opens with the setting of the scene telling us what is going on. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus and the brother of Mary and Martha, those two sisters who Luke tells us in his accounting of the gospel, they hosted Jesus and his disciples, Mary joining in the listening to Jesus' teaching, and Martha doing the cooking and the cleaning and ultimately complaining that Mary was not helping her. Lazarus, this friend and family relation to Mary and Martha, is sick. Now Mary and Martha, they are friends of Jesus. They're not family, but close friends. And they are a good distance from where Jesus currently is. They are in the region of Judea, in the town of Bethany, and Jesus who was there in Judea just a short time before, had to leave because the people were trying to kill him. So he went to the other side of the Jordan where John had been baptizing. As a result, a messenger has to bring Jesus the word that Lazarus is sick. Jesus gives what we could see as a rather strange reply. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. When the messenger heard that the illness was there to reveal God's glory, we can imagine that it meant, or that he believed that it meant, that Jesus would come right away and heal Lazarus. After all, Jesus is known for himself. But that is not what happened. Instead, Jesus stayed where he was, for two more days. Then after two days, Jesus says to the disciples, let's go to Judea. Our friend Lazarus is sick. From this point on, we can begin drawing some imperfect parallels. Key in on imperfect, but they are parallels to our current situation. The disciples complain. We cannot go there. They are trying to kill you there. We need to stay right here where we are, away from everyone, away from everything else, away from the danger. Jesus responds by saying, if someone, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. For our purpose in our current situation, Enlighten yourself with facts that are from reliable sources. Take the right personal safety steps so you can do what you need to do. But do not remain in the darkness of fear-mongering and spreading of so many misguided ideas that spread like crazy across the Internet and end up being less safe as a result and stumbling in the darkness of ignorance. And Jesus then adds that Lazarus is asleep 
But he, Jesus, was going to wake him. Jesus had a mission to accomplish. And sometimes when there is risk, you must accept the risk in order to do what needs to be done. How many of our healthcare providers are doing that very thing right now? We do what we can do to mitigate risk where we can. But at a certain point, we have to say, I will accept this risk because it is up to me to accomplish the task that is before me and must be accomplished. But the protest will continue. The disciples responds, if he is asleep, he will recover. Let Lazarus deal with his own problems, they're saying. There's no need for us to get involved. We want to remain safely hidden here. Let somebody else answer the call. Now Jesus speaks to them plainly. Lazarus is dead. Thomas now chimes in in an independent voice, but his voice is the voice of doom. Let us then go die with him. This is the voice of the person who catastrophizes, the person who immediately jumps to the worst-case scenario in his or her mind and then decides that the worst-case scenario is the eventuality that is going to happen. Today we have people who catastrophize over the health care concerns. We can't stop the disease. The death toll will be beyond all imagination. Others catastrophize over the economy. We're never going to recover. We're going to go into a depression followed by runaway inflation and on and on, ultimately ended, ending with, and we will all be ruined. Let us go die with him, they declare across all the social media platforms. Then we get to the arrival of Jesus and the disciples in Bethany and find that Lazarus has already been dead and in the tomb for four days. That is an important fact. If you pay attention, you recognize and you realize that even if Jesus had left immediately when the messenger arrived and gone to Bethany, instead of waiting those two days, Lazarus would have been dead by the time Jesus got there. But Mary and Martha blamed Jesus anyway. You should have been here. You could have stopped this. Why did you not act sooner? Jesus gives a quick assurance of life after death, the resurrection of the body, life eternally with God and His glory. But we're going to come back to that, so just keep that in the back of your mind for now. In response to the circumstances, the situation that is before him, we see Jesus weep. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. The people around were amazed at the display of emotion and remarked about how much Jesus must have loved Lazarus to create such an emotive response. But then there is the question, the criticism how could he heal a blind man but not prevent this death? We have people saying similar things, making similar accusations, some even turning the question into conspiracy theory. Why is this spreading so fast? Why can it not be stopped? Why is the government not capable of doing more? 
and the questions and accusations continue. And then we get to the big finish. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus accomplishes his mission. Lazarus is alive and God is glorified. Now eventually this pandemic we face will come to an end. The many people working diligently, assuming risk to accomplish the mission, treating the sick and researching a cure and vaccines, they will prevail. When that happens, they deserve all the recognition that they get and most likely much more than they will ever receive, especially the quiet heroes called EMTs, paramedics, CNAs, nurses, and doctors who are at the very front of the treatment effort. Now, though, it is time to go back to that comment about the resurrection. Jesus turns our eyes away from the current threat to the body and says, Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe that there is a day coming when every person will face judgment and spend an eternity either with God and with God experiencing an eternal and glorious life or with Satan and with Satan experiencing an eternal and horrific death? Let us look again at that very first thing Jesus said in our passage. This is not an illness that leads to death. We could say in response, yes, of course it was. Lazarus died. Jesus answers, no. No, it was not. Only the body died. Fear not what kills the body, but what can cast the soul into hell. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He says, "Don't, don't worry about this illness. This illness that only touches the body. You see, the illness that leads to death, this is not an illness that leads to death, Jesus said. The illness that does lead to death is sin. And as James instructs us, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up His sins will be forgiven. Social distancing, sanitation measures to kill and remove the virus, and all the many things we are doing to stop the spread of coronavirus are important and must be continued for the sake of our bodily lives. More importantly, sin distancing and confession to kill and remove the sin And the many acts of faith which guard us against sin are vitally important and must be practiced for the salvation of our eternal life. Amen. As we prepare to move to the liturgy of the the Eucharist, today we declare these special intentions of the bringing of an end to the worldwide corona pandemic. All of those who are sick, those grieving over the deaths of friends and family around the world, for all the health care professionals exposing themselves to infection by treating the infected, for those who are out of work and suffering economic hardship, for the many workers who are at work and therefore placing themselves at risk through potential exposure, and the many specialists who are racing to find a way to fight this menacing virus. We ask peace and comfort for the mother grieving the loss of her daughter, 
and we include those other intentions which have been submitted but not to be openly discussed. And for the sake of future Masses, you're reminded that if you have a special intention at a Mass, simply pass it along to myself to be included. Amen.